This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Brian Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Me first? You first. What's Forrest Gump's password? What? One Forest One. of pet owners let their pets sleep in their bed. I tried it, and my goldfish died. (laughs) 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 May the best man win. Yes, sir. Ladies first. Lance isn't that common a name these days. But in medieval times, they were called Lancelot. My landlord told me we need to talk about the heating bill. Sure, I said. My door is always open. I was excited to hear Apple might start selling its own cars until I learned it wouldn't support Windows. So easy. Uh, okay. To whoever stole my copy of Microsoft Office, I will find you. You have my word. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, let's do it. All right. This one went first. Have you heard about the restaurant on I, the moon? I have not. Great food. No atmosphere. What do you call a bundle of hay in a church? That's a good question. Christian Bale. What's blue and not very heavy? What? Light blue. (laughs) (laughs) Women should not have children after 36. Really, 36 children is enough. Yeah, that would be. I used to run a dating service for chickens, but I was struggling to make hens meet. Close. That one's close. Anyone looking to buy a DeLorean? Good shape, good mileage. Only driven from time to time. I wanted my kids to watch the orchestra, but I had to turn it off. Too much sax and violins. (laughs) (laughs) Thought you were gonna string me along on that one. Really, really, really bad dad jokes. I tell you what, I just love the dads in our church. Um, you know, some of them are in that video. Rusty Hunter, like I actually texted Aaron. I'm like, does, does, does Rusty Hunter have any more video or any more jokes? Because like ironclad, like no emotion. Like, and then there, and then there was poor Zach. Zach Burt? Yeah, Zach Burt. It's like he was doomed from the very beginning. <laughs> 
But I just told I just I just I just told him this morning. I said, Zach, man, you're just full of joy and you got the victory, you know, and so it just comes out of you, you know. So it's all good. I it uh it was a that was a great video. And so can we just can we just give it up for all the dads in the house? So thankful for our dads. I mean, it's uh I, I love being a dad. This, this past week, I got to go. They actually showed you the picture here earlier. This is a picture of uh, um, the five of us, me and dad and Glenn and, and Andrew, and we got to go out. And let's just be honest. It was, really a horse, it was really just a horse ride, but in our minds, we were rounding up cattle. We, in our minds, we were cowboys, like real cowboys. But that picture really doesn't do it justice because we were all in pain and we were only halfway home. And so, but, uh, you know, I'm just thankful for my dad because, uh, you know, a few years back, my dad, uh, began taking us out to go, um, on a trip for, for, uh, him and us. And we just go out and we have a great time, but, you know, all through my life, my dad has been just an amazing example of what it means to be a father. You know, I've watched him all of my life just give sacrificially, you know, to, to us as kids, um, to our family, to my mom. I've watched him, um, to people that are complete strangers, you know, he would literally drop what he is doing to help them and give them and, 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 and give what it is that he has. And so, you know, I, I've been very, very fortunate to have a, an amazing example of what it means to be a father. And so I've endeavored, uh, I can't say that I've arrived, but I've endeavored to do my best in, in fathering uh, my four great children and, and uh, be just half as good as my dad. You know, if I could just be half as good as him, I would be doing really, really well. And so um, I'm, I'm thankful to be a dad. But, you know, as we watched this video here just a second ago, I'm just thankful for, for the dads that are in our church. You know, the dads and the, and the families that are represented in our church. Because um, I asked, one of the questions I, I, I texted out to some of the, the guys in our church was, what is one of the things that you think about the most in your life? And, uh, you know, the answers were, were kind of all over the map, but I, I just thought that it would be helpful to, for you to hear the heart of some of the guys in our church and, and, the, and the fathers in our church. And, and some of the things that they said was, is that they just wanted their kids to love like Jesus loves. They wanted them to be selfless. They wanted to, their kids to have a heart for people. You know, they, they wanted to protect them from the worldly influences and the do, indoctrination that, that we see happening. Uh, uh, some of them wanted their, their kids to grow up and be just uh, uh, people that walk in righteousness. Um, some of them wanted to leave a legacy for their kids. Some of them wanted to, uh, their kids to live with values and, and, and stewardship. And so these are all things that these individuals are striving you know, to do it. Some of the pressures, though, that they face is, is, is prioritizing time. They, they, they face the pressure of prioritizing their, their time of work and, and providing and their time of being with family. Some of them have talked about the pressure of, of, of all of the activities that they face in, the, in, in natural life and, 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 and making sure that there is a spiritual foundation that is being laid in the lives of their family and in their, in their, in their kids. And so, you know, uh, I like what Billy Graham says, that a good father is one of the most uns, unsung unpraised, unnoticed, but yet one of the most valuable assets 
to our, our society. And it's so true that, that you know, dads are, are, they have this pressure, they have this, this thing. But today what I want to do is I want to encourage dads and I want to look at what the Bible has to say about our Heavenly Father. And uh, as we honor uh, these, these dads in our lives, I know that right on the flip side of that, there are some of, some of you that Father's Day is, is an emotional one. It's an emotional one because maybe your father has passed away. You know, maybe your father is, is, has not been in your life. Or maybe your father has been in your life, but maybe they just haven't been in your life because they're so busy. They're working to provide and some of those things. And so I know that it can be challenging and it, and it can be emotional for some of us, you know, and, 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 I, and we don't take that lightly. But, but what I want to tell you today is, is that no matter who you are, and what you're wrestling with, you have a father in heaven. And, and he's one of perfection. And that's really what it is that I want to look at today. Um, in your notes there, uh, the first verse of scripture here is found in 1 Corinthians uh, 8, 6. It says that God is our heavenly father. And it says that yet for us, there is only one God, the father, for whom all things we exist for him. And one Lord Jesus, by whom are all things, and we exist through him. Another verse of scripture that really kind of drives home this point for, for us as being, uh, uh, having and knowing a heavenly father is found in 1 John 4, 4. It says that you are of God, little children. You have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. And I don't know about you, but that's an encouragement to, to, to me it's, it's an encouragement that no matter where I'm at, no matter if my dad is a part of my life or not a part of my life, I have a heavenly father and he is for me. He, he, he wants the best for me. And, and as this has encouraged us, he's caused us to overcome in life. Our heavenly father is causing us to overcome in life. And today I want to look at a parable. And uh, it, the parable is the parable of the prodigal son. And many of you guys have probably um, have read that or remember that story. Um, I know that a lot of times when we look at the, the parable, 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 I got it, prodigal son, parable, <laughs> the parable of the prodigal son, that's just a lot of peas, you know, leave me alone, you know, it's Father Day, give me, give me some grace here, right? The parable of the prodigal son we look a lot of times at the son that went away, the younger son who, who ran from his father's house, who took, you know, selfishly and, and went and, and ran off and wasted. We look at, the, we look at it that way, and, and, and that's fine, and, and I think that we'll see some of those things this morning, but this morning what I want to do is I want to look at this, this story in the light of what the father did, because the, 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 the story here shows us who our Heavenly Father is. It shows us, it gives us an accurate representation and a picture of, of our Father. So no, no matter if you're like me and you had a, a father that was present who, who gave a great example or you're on the other end of the spectrum and you did not have a father, today I believe that as, as we look at this story, you will see what, the heavenly, what your heavenly father means to you, who he truly is. And I think that that's, that's kind of the misconception sometimes, guys, is that in our lives, things happen and we go through different situations and we allow those situations and those, those hurts and those pains to paint a picture of who God is. 
But, but we know for a fact, because the Word of God tells us very, very clearly that we, that we have a good Father. Say, say it with me. I have a good Father. And so, so we, we, we really need to continually look upon the Word of God to see what the Word says about who our Heavenly Father is. Because if we look at our natural relationships and we look at our natural relationships with our fathers, sometimes we can allow that to come in and paint an inaccurate picture of who our father, who our heavenly father really is. And so, you know, as, as we look at this story, as we look at this parable, one of the things that I would encourage you to do is to find yourself in the story and then find God in the story. Because I know that when, when I do that, when I find myself in the story and when I find God in the story, it really helps bring to light the things that I need to see, the things that he wants to speak to me. And so that is my encouragement to, to you today. So I want to look at, at what the father did. This story shows us the father's heart towards us. First and foremost, as we looked at here just earlier, we are his children but it is so important, guys, that we know the heart of the Father. And I believe that today this story is going to shed great insight into um, who our Heavenly Father is. Because the thing is, guys, is that His thoughts towards you are good and not of evil. They're thoughts to give you a hope and, and, and a good future. And so I hope that today you will see that. And if you haven't, I pray that, that you'll begin to see that. And so let's look here in Luke 15. I put it in your notes. It'll be up on the screens. Uh, and we'll just start here in verse 12 and look at this story. It says that the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. I want you to, to remember that, that statement, give me. Give me the, uh, the share that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. And not many days after that, the younger son gathered everything together, went on a journey into a distant country, and there he squandered his estate and loose living. Goes on to say, and now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in the country and he began to be impoverished. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country and he sent him into the fields uh, to feed the swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating and no one was given, but no one gave him anything. Verse 17 says, but when he came to his senses... Uh, you can underline that in your, in your Bible because there's a lot of times in our lives, guys, that we need to come to our senses. And that's exactly what happened for him. He came to his senses and he said, how many of my father's hired men have, have more than enough bread, but I am dying of hunger. I will get up and I will go to my father and I will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Isn't that amazing? You know, when we're, when we're in this state where we, we don't realize what it is that we're doing, we have to come to our senses, but yet we have this, this idea that we are not worthy, you know, and that's, that's really a whole nother uh, uh, subject. But we're, he said, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me. And remember that, make me. So first we had give me, and then he comes to this place where he says, make me. And it says, make me one of your hired men. So, that, so he got up and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, felt compassion for him, ran and embraced him and kissed him. And so you know the rest of the story. He basically restored him and he put a ring on his finger and he put a robe on him and he put sandals on him. And, he, and, he, and then they killed the fatted calf and they celebrated. Because why? 
the son that was lost was now found. I think that this is an amazing story, guys, of, of, of God's grace and as our father, our father to us. And so in your notes, the first thing that I see here and the first thing that we see in this is, is that the father gave everything. He gave everything and he let him leave. Here's the father. He's worked all of his life. He's, 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 he's toiled with his hands. He's worked. And then his son, who's ungrateful, who's selfish, who's greedy, who, 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 who thinks he knows it all, comes to him and says, I want my portion. You know, it's really kind of a slap in the face. You know, when you look at some of the commentaries, it says that this was not very common that a father would just, you know, before he passed, would turn his inheritance over. But here in this, it was like his son was saying to him, Lord, or, you know, dad, I just wish you were dead. I want my inheritance now. And so he get, but yet, even in the midst of this whole story where this, where this son was being selfish and greedy and didn't care about his dad and, and really just portraying and communicating that to his dad, his dad said, here it is. And he gave it to him. You know, and so we need to know, and, and many of you guys know this, that in John 3, 16, it says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He gave his son for you and I. And so in your notes there, our heavenly father is a giver. And we need to know that he is a giver. You know, James 1.17 says it this way. It says that every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. That's good to know, guys, that your heavenly father, he wants to give you good gifts, not bad gifts. You know, and, and, and kind of when I think about this, I think about my dad, you know, he, he is a giver. If you guys know my dad, Pastor Mike, he is a giver, generous, just so generous. And, and through the years, you know, when we were young, man, he would do everything that he could to, to bless us and to give to us. The first thing that he gave to me, I'd love to have one of these. I, they're really, really valuable now, but there were these little, they're a 1970 something Honda mini bike. It was like a 50, and the bars kind of curve up like ram's horn. Mine was gold, had a black seat, had a chrome, you know, uh, chrome, uh, uh, I don't know what they're called, pipes. Yeah, I had some chrome pipes. But he bought me this thing. I'll never forget it. It was awesome. He, he, he took it to my grandma's, and he worked on it, and he, and he got it all worked and, and cleaned it up, and, he, and they gave it to us Christmas morning, and it was the best that he could do. We wanted four-wheelers, man. We wanted, we wanted you know, we, we were always begging for four-wheelers, but he just did what it is that he could do, and he gave, gave us the best that he could. Years later, man, he worked hard, and they saved up their money, and they gave us brand-new four-wheelers. I'll never forget it. The sun of heaven was shining through the side window onto my 1985 Honda, red and white Honda four-wheeler. He, he sacrificed. He gave what it was that, that he could, you know, and our Heavenly Father's the same way. He wants to give to us. Years later, when I turned 16, I would open up the garage door, and inside was a 1984, I'm dating myself as I, say, I put out all these dates, a 1984 GMC K1500 truck that had 48,000 original miles. It was nice. It was so nice. And he said, son... I give you this gift. Happy birthday. Your payments start next month. <laughs> and that's when the giving, the free giving, 
stopped. I think it was when I turned 16. Said, you are now a young man. Go get a job. Go work. My free giving is, is over with. No more mini bikes. No more four-wheelers. And your truck payments start next month. But listen, guys. Matthew 7, 7 says, so if you, dis, de, despite being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those that ask him? So just as my dad gave me, motor, you know, gave me mini bikes and gave me a four-wheeler and gave me a payment on a truck, your heavenly Father wants to give you good things. He wants to give you the desires of your heart. And you need to know that. And so if you have forgotten that concept, if, you, if, that, if that concept is different to you, you need to begin to meditate on that. You need to begin to know that. It doesn't matter if you're a teenager and you're in high school and you're kind of just getting started or if you're later in life, you need to know that your heavenly father loves you and he has good things in store for you, good and perfect gifts. And I think the other thing that, that, that we need to touch on is this fact that, you know, sometimes you'll hear people say that, you know, God gives and he takes away. And I just want to tell you today is, is that he doesn't take away, okay? He'll take away the things in our lives, the strongholds, the pains, the, those things. He'll take those things away. But the things that, that, that he are stolen from you, the things that are valuable, that are stolen from you, you need to know that those are not things that were taken away by your heavenly father, the one that loves you. We know that the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy, to steal from your life. So you have to understand that, that, that your father gives good and perfect gifts but the enemy is the one that steals. And so if you've been stolen from in your life, if there's things that have been stolen from in your life, you need to identify the author of that thing. You need to stand in the place that you have been given, the authority that you've been given, and you need to serve the enemy notice and say, I recognize that you're the author of this. You're the one that's stealing from me, and I refuse this in Jesus' name. And, and, and what you took, you're going to have to restore in my life and just begin to thank God for what it is that he's restoring, the good gifts that he's bringing to you because he is a good father and he wants to give you good gifts and perfect gifts. There's no change. It's just like, like we said there in James uh, 17. There is no change. He changes not. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So it doesn't matter what happens in our lives. He is always a good God. He always gives good things. He always gives perfect gifts to our lives. We can't allow the situations that come into our lives and the things that we go through to dictate our view of who he is. If we, if we don't get what it is that we think that we have coming, we can't think, well, I guess God's not a good God. I, I guess my father is not a good God. I guess he doesn't give perfect gifts. No, that's a lie. That's the enemy trying to come in and deceive you and cause you to step away from your faith and who your heavenly father is. And so we have to understand that he is a good father and he gives everything. You know, but this thing that really kind of makes, puts a big question in my mind, guys, is this idea of letting him leave. Why did the father let him leave? Why did the father say, here's your stuff, and then just let him walk out the door? You know, and, and as I think about that, I think about some of the other people that were in the Bible. You know, I think about David. 
You know, the moment that he had where, where he stepped into sin with Bathsheba. You know, why would he have let that happen? Well, if you read in that story, he didn't just let it happen. He warned David through one of his servants. He said, don't do this. You know, you think about Adam. He tried to tell Adam, do not eat. You can eat of all this, but don't eat of this. You know, you think about Samson. Please don't shave your head. The spirit of God was upon Samson's life, but yet, you know, he spoke to his parents. He warned his parents, but yet here we see Samson with Delilah. He didn't stop him. You know, and so I think that what this tells us, guys, when it comes to that question of why did the father let him leave, in your notes, it says that God wants sons and daughters, not prisoners. It's like we said at the very beginning, guys, we are sons and daughters. I know that we're celebrating father. I know that we're looking at, at, at what, who God is as a father, but we need to understand that we are sons and daughters. And that's what he wants. That's his desire. He doesn't want us to have to pray. He doesn't want us to have to worship. He doesn't want us to have to come to, to church or have to read our Bible. He, you know, having to do something is just religion. That's all that is. And, and so he's not gonna force us to stay in the house, right? You know, that son left the house, but that father was not gonna say, no, I'm gonna force you to stay here. And that's not what our, our heavenly father will do. He will not force us to stay in the house. He will not force us to be in his presence. He wants us to be children that wanna be, I don't know about you, but my kids, they wanna be around us. They wanna be in our presence. And the same thing is true in our, in our relationship with God is that we need to want to be as his children, as his son, as his daughter. It's like, Lord, I wanna be in your presence because in your presence, there's fullness of joy. There is peace, there's encouragement. There's everything I need in your presence. But if we look at, at our heavenly father and we don't know who he is, we do it out of this obligation. Well, I have to do this. I have. That's not how he, he made us. He gave us a free will. And we saw, we've seen that in multiple examples in the Bible. And so the next point is this, is that to render a child able is, to, is, is better to render a child safe. And really what, what, what the father was saying in this instance when he let him leave is, is before you go, you have to understand this one thing. I love you. No matter where you go, no matter what you do, I love you. And we need to understand that about our Heavenly Father. We, we, as we walk on this earth, as we do our thing, that is what we need to understand. He's, he's not gonna force us to do anything, but he's gonna say, I want you to understand that no matter where you're at, I love you. Any moment of your life, you are loved. When you leave, you're loved. When you come, you are loved. When you're in sin, you're loved. When you're not in sin, you're loved. I think also the reason that he let him leave was it was a warning. Because, you know, when we think about the, the, the Bible, it says, if you love me, please keep my commandments. You know, I think about that, this, this idea of keeping commandments. You know, as a young boy, my mom and dad, you know, they did their best. Now, I was a rule follower, so I was really pretty easy, okay? Now, my brother, he, that was a whole different story, and he's not even here. He's 16 hours away, can't even defend himself. He was not a rule follower, Okay, but mom and dad, man, they had rules. They had things they were set in, 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 in boundaries for us. And as a young boy, man, I didn't understand it. And I got to tell you, I mean, I was a rule follower most of the time, but there were times that I broke the rules because I didn't understand. 
I didn't understand that, 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 that I didn't understand like why can't we watch these types of movies? Why can't we listen to this type of you know music? Why can't we? You know, and so you as a young kid, you're asking yourself, why? What's the big deal? But what we didn't, what I didn't understand was the pain that was associated with that. And my parents had more years of experience. They had been through things. They understood things. They understood the, the, the life that was attached to that. And they understood that if I went down that road, I would have pain. You know, uh, here recently, we went out to uh, dad's and I, uh, my son's uh, Will is seven years old. And if you guys ever, if, have, if you've ever had a seven-year-old, they are active they will wear you out. My wife said when Will was born that Will is going to keep us young. And that was a confession that has definitely come to pass. This kid is tireless. I mean, every, I mean, it's like we go from one thing to the next thing to the next thing. I mean, we mow the lawn, we do this, we do this. Dad, can we get in the pool? I mean, it's dark outside. And so I loaded up the four-wheelers and I took him and a friend, which that in and of itself, he's got this friend, his name's Cruz. And uh, we took him out to dad's house because there's a little bit more space to ride. And so I took two four-wheelers and I just, I, I said, okay, first thing we're going to do is you're going to put on helmets. The second thing you're going to do is you're going to drive slow. Okay. If I see you driving fast, we're, we're, we're cutting this off. We're going home, right? I, I was going through the ground rules and I'm trying to explain to them. I'm saying, you know, uh, we're out here. There's really long grass. You don't know the environment. You don't know where the holes are. There's some really big holes. There's, there's, there's trees, there's poison ivy. There's all of these things. And, I'm, and as, as a dad, I'm trying to show them. I'm trying to help them. And I'm trying to, you know, help them to see. And they're sitting there going like this, you know. And it's like you can tell they're not listening at all. And they're shaking their head. Like, you know, they're strapping up their helmets. And they're just like twinging. And, you know, they got all this sugar coursing through their body. And they're like, are you about done? And I'm just like, it's pointless. Why am I even having this conversation? But I had the conversation because I knew that my wife would ask me if I had the conversation. So I had the conversation. <laughs> so I'm trying to, to do some stuff there at the house because I need to take care of some stuff. And it wasn't even 10 minutes and show them the first picture. So Cruz comes over and he's like, crying. Mr. Brian, I wrecked. I'm like, you wrecked? I'm like, are you okay? I mean, that, that was the first thing. I'm like, I, are you okay? He's so concerned about the four-wheeler, but I'm like, I don't care about the four-wheeler. You're a borrowed child. I have to take you home, <laughs> right? He's like, no, I'm okay. I'm okay. I just got the four-wheeler. I, I, I'm okay. I'm okay. Did you get thrown from the four-wheeler? Yeah, I got, I got thrown from the four-wheeler. And then show him the next one. It, it doesn't really do it justice, guys. There is a giant hole that swallowed this you know, 800 pound four-wheeler. Thankfully, he was okay. Thankfully, I put it in four-wheel drive and I drove it out and the lesson was learned, I think. No, you would think it was learned. It was not learned. So I go back to doing what it is that I'm doing. 10 minutes later on the money, I see this. Yeah. So I'm like, you know what? I might as well make the most of it and get a picture with them by it and give them a thumbs up that they're still alive, right? I can send that to mom and, you know, encourage her that I do, I am a good dad. I do care. 
Here's the next picture. This'll, this'll, so I demoted them. After they wrecked the four-wheeler and they wrecked the other four-wheeler, I'm like, all right, that's it. You guys are on a slow golf cart and you have to wear a helmet on a golf cart. I rendered him able. But here's the thing, guys. My point is this. If you love me, keep my commandments. Why? Because I know that if these things are not kept, it will only cause you pain. And there is nothing that would cause me more pain than to watch you go through the pain. And this is a perfect illustration, guys, of our lives as believers. Man, the, the enemy, and, and he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And as, as people, we just, I think sometimes we are stubborn and, and, and we're like a seven-year-old boy. And we're just so gung-ho to do things and go places and have fun and, and live life up. And, and the whole time, our Heavenly Father is saying, listen, there are holes, there, there is poison ivy, there are nettles, there are things that you don't see, there are traps that the enemy has laid for you that if you're not careful, you will drive right into them. And so it's imperative, guys, that we, that we have this relationship with our Heavenly Father and we know that, that the things that He has placed in, our word, in His Word is for our life. It's for our benefit. It's for our, you know, for our success. It's not that He's trying to keep us from having fun and, 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 and live life to the fullest. He's trying to protect us from the giant holes that are trying to swallow us and our four-wheeler and everything. And so we have to be on our guard that you know, no matter where we're at, we need to know that he loves us. The second thing is this that we see is that the father waits and watches for him. The father waits and watches for him. And you know, you, you ask yourself the question, well, well, what was the father looking for? What was he looking for? And what was he waiting and watching for? And, and many people will say, well, he was looking for his return. And I would agree that, that he was looking for his return, but it wasn't just about the son coming home. It wasn't just about the son returning to the house so that we could celebrate. Something had taken place inside of this young man that made all the difference in the world. And on the inside of each and every one of us, guys, we can live our lives and we can say, yeah, Lord, I serve you, Lord. But in here... That's where it really matters. We can say, hey, I came to church. You know, that would be like the son returning home. I came to church. I, 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 I attended. But my question to you today is, is where is your heart at when you come to the house? When you come to the Father, where is your heart? Because here's the thing. Oftentimes, we focus externally. We want change on the outside, but we, we don't allow change on the inside. And so in your life, if there's something that you're wanting to change on the outside, my encouragement to you today is, is that you must focus on changing is, on what is on the inside of you. Because when you change what's on the inside of you, then you will see the external change that you so desperately desire. And that's exactly what we see in this, in this young man. The man, he, he was looking at all the external things, all the fun. Dad, give me my money. I'm out of here. I'm going to go. I'm going to spend. I'm going to do. I'm going to live it up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go over here. I'm going to go to this place because it's so fancy and shiny. And, and, and that's what we do. That's our propensity. 
But, but what happened was is that he lost it all. And then poverty came into the area and he's ended up as a Jewish boy working with pigs, which was unheard of. And so here he is, and I mean, he is at the bottom and the barrel is on top of him. And he comes to the realization, I looked at all these external things. I thought that this is where it was all at. And it was an internal change that took place on the inside of him. And the minute that that took place, everything changed. And the same thing is true for us. The things that we face, the struggles that we have, the challenges that we have in life, they're external. If you want to solve those things, you can continue to labor in, in the flesh and try and fix those things in the flesh. And you can fail. That's exactly what will happen. You might see, oh, a little bit of change. But if you want true change in your life, in any area, if you will go to the Word and you'll begin to put in the Word, it will change you inside. It'll make little adjustments and little minute changes and that you will begin to see on the outside. And so it goes on to say, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him. It says he was a long way off. How many of you guys are a long way off? Maybe you guys don't understand what I'm trying to say here. How many of you guys are not perfect? If you don't raise your hand, we'll have a prayer line at the end. <laughs> no, how many of you guys made a mistake this week? Did anybody make a mistake this week or am I the only one? Well, some of you guys are just not even contributing to this. You didn't even raise your hand. But we know the truth of the matter is that you might think you're perfect, but you're not. You are still a long way off. All of us are still a long way off. Aren't you? Now, the one thing is, is that we can't stay at a, at a long way off. You can't say, well, yeah, man, I'm, I'm a long way off. I'm a long way off. And we joke about it. I would encourage you today that you need to be moving forward. You need to be changing. You need to be dropping habits. You need to be dropping things that are hindering your life. You can't park by, yep, I'm a long way off. I am a, I'm a work in progress. The Lord is just trying to help me. And, and, but you've been there for 25 years, right? You can't stay there. It's okay to be a long way off. It's okay to not be perfect. But you have to allow him to change you and, and help you and help you to move. You know, our father in your in, uh, point under number two is this. Our father isn't looking for perfection. I don't know about you, but that is an encouragement to, you, to me because I'm a perfectionist. And so I seek perfection. But unfortunately, like I said, I fail. But it's good to know that our Father in heaven, he is not looking for perfection. He sees us. He feels compassion towards us. Paul said it this way in Philippians 3.12. I'm not saying that I have it all together, that I, haven't made, that I haven't made, but I am well on my way, reaching out for Christ. It goes on to say, I've got my eye on the goal, which is Jesus. He goes on to say in Hebrews 12.1, Therefore, I'm surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. I'm throwing off the encumbrances. I'm throwing off the sin in my life. And I'm fixing my eyes on Jesus. And that's really what we need to do, guys, is that, yes, we're a long ways off, but man, we got our eyes fixed on Jesus to help us, to bring us through. It goes on to say here in verse 17, 
It says, but when he came to his senses, and that's what happens. A lot of times we are a long ways off. I, I, I've been there in my life where it's like, you think you're right. You think that everything, you know, everybody else is wrong and what it is that's going on is, is, is the problem. Anybody else been there or is it just me? Just me? Okay, I'll keep going. And so we're a long way off. I don't know what it is for you. It's something. I guarantee it. It's something. Where, where in your mind, you're right. In your mind, you don't know what's going on. In your mind, something, something's just off. It's not me. It couldn't be me. It's them. And we're a long way off. But, but we need to come to our senses. And, and the only way that we can come to our senses is just as I said before, if we go to the Father, man, he will help us to see the things that we need to change. He will help us to see those adjustments that we, have, that we must make. And so it, it tells us this, that number one, he's not looking for perfection, but number two, our Father is looking for surrender. In the beginning of the story, we see the Son saying, give me demanding his own way, you know, what it is that he want or what it is that he thought he deserved. But after he lost it all and, and his heart was aching and he was in sin and he was in wrongdoing and he, had, he was suffering, he came to his senses. So my question to you today is, is, are there areas of your life that you need to come to your senses? Are you struggling in an area? Are you justifying what you adamantly feel is right and you need to come to your senses. Here we see him surrendering his life and he's asking the father to make him something. He says, you know, in the beginning, it's like, give me. But when he came to this low place in his life where he came to his senses, he realized his own efforts, his own ability, what it is that he could do, all of his striving was not going to get him what it is that he thought he needed. And he realized, if I surrender my life to him, then I can say, Lord, make me what you want me to be. And that's what we have to do, guys. We have to surrender our lives to him as fathers, as dads. We have to say, Lord, I need your help. Help me to be the man that I need to be in my business. Help me to be the father in my home. Help me to be the leader that I need to be. And allow him to make us who he wants us to be. We can be so much more in our homes, in our businesses, in our churches, if we will surrender our life to him and ask him to be a part of it and allow him to make us who he wants us to be, who he formed us to be. Amen? And so he's looking for our surrender. It's not about perfection. And I think that sometimes as dads, we put demands on, on those that are around us, on kids, on wives, on families. We put these demands on them that we would never hold ourselves to. But we have to understand, just as our father doesn't demand perfection, we as fathers can't demand perfection. He, he cares about us and he wants us to surrender our lives. Our heavenly father isn't asking for perfection. He's asking us to surrender our lives as dads, as husbands, as leaders. Ask him to make you the man, the husband, and the leader that you can be. And so the, the third point is this. The father receives and restores the son. He re receives and restores the son. Whether you realize it or not, your heavenly father receives you and wants to restore you. He receives you and he wants to restore you. And, and that's, that's a, a perfect illustration of who our father is. And Linda, if you want to go up, you can. Um, 
When I was, I think I was 14 years old, I, um, um, my dad had this tractor. It was a, a Farmall M. Is that right? A Farmall M? This thing was amazing. And my, actually, my grandfather, my grandpa Guta, who was a farmer, he bought mom and dad this tractor when they got married and, and moved to this acreage. And this thing, I mean, I was thinking, thinking about it here this week. I'm like, that thing did everything. I mean, it was old, it was rusty, but it was dependable. It was reliable. He always talked about how it wasn't a super, super M, which was stronger than the regular M, but this one, man, it had everything dad needed. It was just, it got the job done. I can remember taking down trees, pushing in, you know, him being out there on that sucker, pushing up piles of debris and burning, you know, uh, uh, all these old trees that were on the property. I can remember him out there all bundled up, just like, you know, clearing the driveway with this flat blade. I mean, it was, it was not a pretty, pretty tractor, but man, this tractor was just good to him all through the years. And so, you know, later on when I was a teenager, I just wanted to help dad and he was super busy. And uh, I knew that he had, he had dropped the oil uh, plug and dropped, drained all the oil out of the tractor. I knew that. And so I was sitting in the, in, the, in the barn and I was just like, I just wanted to help him. And, I, and so I called him up. I said, hey, dad, I know you wanted to, you wanted to mow the pasture and you wanted to make it look nice. And, and uh, I know that you drained the oil. And so I was just calling you, wanted to help you out. And so if you tell me where the oil is, I'll put the oil in. Man, I'll go out there, hook up the two-row stock shredder, which was even, even worse than the M tractor. And I will mow that, that uh pasture for you. And he's like, well, yeah, man, I just dropped it. The oil's in here. Go do this, put it in there. And so I was like, okay, sweet. So hung up the phone, went and got the oil, put it in the tractor, start that baby up, went over, hooked up to the, the mower. <clears throat> I'm driving around. I'm just so proud of myself. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm like making one round. I'm about halfway around the, the pasture, which is two or three acres. And all of a sudden that M tractor gave up its life on the bottom of the hill behind the house. And I realized I must've put the oil in the wrong compartment. And dude, I was just like, dude, he loves his tractor. And I just killed his tractor. <laughs> and uh, you know, it's so funny because like when I think back about that tractor and when I think back to when he came home, like, he didn't say anything. Like, he didn't say, what were you thinking? He didn't say, there was no shame. There was no, like, like he didn't come down on me. He didn't say, you're so, you know, do you not know where the oil goes? He didn't say any of that. He was so kind and loving. And, and I think he's like, well, no big deal. We'll buy another one. I think it's probably what he said, you know? And, and my point is, is that, our, our life is, is, we're living this life and, and we think that our heavenly father is like just gonna come down and, 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 and strike us down and bring shame and, and we think that we can't even come to him. Like we, we, we think we're gonna hide stuff from him and, and he's just like, man, I care about you. I don't even care about the tractor. I don't even care about the sin. I, I, I've paid the price. I've done what it is that needs to be done for this. And so we have to understand, guys, that, that our Father wants to receive us. He wants to restore us. That's all He cares about. 
He does not care about what it is, you know, he cares about what you're going through. He wants you to get out. It's kind of like, you know, the seven-year-old boys that are in the ditch and in that hole. You know, like when Cruz came to me, he's like, all I cared about is how are you, son? All I care about is, are you okay? I don't care about the four-wheeler. We can fix that. We can, we can, but, 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 but he came to me, Cruz came to me, they both came to me in tears. Cruz came to me in tears. Will came to me in tears. And they were so concerned with the four-wheeler. They were so concerned with the damage. And all I cared about was them. And that's what our heavenly father cares about. He cares about us. He wants you to come to him. And, he, and, and that's the thing that we really haven't looked at in the story is, is that, you know, he came to himself. That young boy came to himself. He realized and came to his senses. And it says that he got up and he went to his father. He went back to the house. He went back to his presence. And I think that for us, that's what we need to do. No matter where we're at, no matter what's going on, we just need to say, Father, I'm coming to you. I've got this struggle. I've got this pain. I've got this thing that I need to be, I need fixed. And it's only you that can do that. And so my last point is this, to be received and restores restored requires that we come to the father. So in closing, you know, I also asked some, some of the guys, I said, what did they, what did you remember about your dad? And some of them said, well, I remembered that he was always there. I remembered that he was calm and collected He showed initiative and willingness. He was a great advisor. He was a teacher. He was ethical. He lived with integrity. He had a hard work ethic. He was a provider. One One of them that I loved was, man, I screwed up so much and my dad showed me unconditional love. And another one said, he was generous. All of those things are great. But there was one that really stuck out to me and it was this this one. He says, My dad studied the Bible. I can still picture him at the table as a little kid. It's one of my earliest memories. It's probably impacted me more than anything else he did. So today, guys, what this man did for his son, where every morning, maybe not every morning, but most mornings he would go to the word of God to see who his heavenly father was. He went, his dad went to the word to see who his heavenly father was so that he could be the dad and be the head of the household. And so when we have questions and we have struggles, we need to go and find out who our heavenly father is because he will show us. He'll, he'll help us with all those things. I, you know, it's admirable to be remembered for working hard and providing and doing all of these things. But I don't know about you, but I want to be remembered as as, as a dad that knew his heavenly father. I want to be remembered as a dad who showed my kids who God is, that, that he can be a heavenly father to them. When I fail, when I'm imperfect, when I'm not right, he is good, he is perfect, and he is good to them. That's what I want to be remembered for. And so that's my encouragement to you today. You guys can do it. It doesn't matter if you're a dad. It doesn't matter if you're a mom. It doesn't matter if you're a student. 
This applies to all of us, that we are all sons, we are all daughters. And if we're, far, if we're far off, if we're like that young man and we think we know what the answers are, we need to come to our senses. And so let's just, let's just close in prayer and we'll just give you guys an opportunity. You know, because, you know, this is the most important part of what it is that we do, guys, is that we speak the word, the word goes forth. The Holy Spirit is speaking something to you. I know that he is. Because that's what he does. That's his job. And so today is the day, man. If you are just, if you're like that, that young man and you're far from God and you need to be brought to your senses, today is the day to get right with him. Today is your opportunity. And so if you are afar, if you're, if you're in sin, if you're in wrongdoing, if you are, 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 are away with every head bowed and every eye closed for the privacy of everyone that's in here between you and God, all you need to do is just raise your hand and say, Brian, that's me. I, 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 I want forgiveness today. Just say, that's me. Is there anybody in here that you're far? I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Come on. Don't, don't, don't go away from this service. I see that hand. You can put it down when, you, when you've raised it. Is there anybody else in here? Okay. Awesome, awesome, awesome. He sees that hand. Now, I don't, know that, I don't know everybody in here, but if there's anybody in here and you haven't given your heart to Christ, today is the day. Is there anybody in here with a, with, with a raise of your hand? Just, that's me, Brian. I need to give my heart to Christ. Anybody in here? Anybody at all? Okay, awesome. Well, let's pray with these that have raised their hand. Father God, we just come before you today. And Father, we thank you for this story of the prodigal son. And we thank you for this example that you have set, the Father that cares for and you want to receive and you want to restore us. And Father, I just pray, Father, for those that, that have, have raised their hand. They have said with the raising of their hand, Lord, I need you. I want to come back to you. And Father, today we thank you that you have received them and you have restored them, Father, into right standing with you. You don't see the mistake. You don't see the, the, the shame. You're taking all of that away. And I just thank you, Father, for those that have raised their hand today. That, that, that is exactly what you're doing. You're bringing healing. You're bringing restoration to their life right now. Father, I pray that you would strengthen them with might as they go. Father, that, you, that, that, you, that you've been invited into this situation in, in their lives to help them, to show them, to strengthen them, Father, to say no when they need to say no, to make that difficult change that they need to make. Father, I thank you that you are helping them to do that when they leave today. In Jesus' name. And we just thank you, Father, for it. In Jesus' name. And everybody said?